Welcome back to Customer Success Talks, Real Challenges Experts Advice. I'm your host, Byron Toruño, and with me, Nav Thomas. Today, we're privileged to have with us Janelle, who is dedicated to mentoring the next generation of customer success managers. Janelle's program emphasizes the importance of utilizing soft skills and shows how this can be leveraged in customer success. Joining us as well is Daryl, a frontline customer success manager with roles like team leader of CS, a strategic CSM, and currently senior customer success manager. In today's discussion, we will dive into the concept of emotional intelligence. We will also explore a common challenge for several customer success managers. How can a customer success manager maintain their true identity and avoid potential burnout? With Janelle's broad knowledge and Daryl's real-world experience, this episode promises to be a treasure of insights. So whether you are an experienced pro or just starting your career, join us as we explore emotional intelligence in customer success. Let's dive in. Today we have an amazing topic and we're going to be talking about uh, emotional intelligence in customer success. Yes, it is a skill that we have all to learn in customer success, especially with building relationships, talking to customers, working with colleagues, um, and even in your personal life. So we have here two amazing guests. But before we jump into know them, Nav, how are you today? I'm good, Baron. Nice to be back um, after a strategy week, which then led to uh, me being sick for a week. But it's really, really nice to be back and uh, doing this again. So, um, yeah, really excited to be doing this. I think we've got a jam-packed session today. We've got a few more sessions coming out soon as well. So very excited. How about you, Baron? It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, it always excites me to be here, always to do a lot of research and always brainstorming ideas is the best. I love this. And yeah, let, let's let's start. We have two amazing guests here. Um, Nav, would you like to start with the first one? Yes. Uh, so we have Janelle that's joining us today, uh, who has a decade of experience in the field starting back in 2013. She's had roles as strategic CSM, senior enterprise relationship manager, senior CSM, and now is currently the vice president of customer success as well. Um, and uh, very excitingly, she's also starting her own company, focusing on helping empower and mentor the next generation of customer success managers. How are you doing today, Janelle? I, I'm doing really good. Thanks, Nav. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm really excited to have you here today. Janelle, we'd love to hear a bit more about uh, your new coaching and mentoring program. Yeah, so I'm very focused on the next generation of CSMs, like you said. So anyone aspiring to become a CSM member, so exiting teachers, um, people in the service or retail industries that are looking to up their game, get into the business world and maybe start something new. And we need to set a very clear, uh, scalable foundation for them to not only grasp the concept of what customer success is about, but how to then navigate a SaaS business world that is a completely and radically different industry than the one they're coming from. So the primary focus really is to use the soft skills they already possess that they've honed from their time in whatever industry they're coming from and highlight how those skills uh, apply to a customer success role to then encourage that development of those skills so that when they do land that customer success job, they're a little bit more empowered and a little bit more confident in their skill set. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chanel. That's really, really exciting stuff. And it's really good to see um, leaders in the, in the space giving back to those that are starting in the, in the career as well, especially using some of the learnings and some of the difficulties that you and I, I'm sure, have both gone, gone through building our yeah. career in it and just being able to make it a little bit easier for others. Um, Baron, you want, do you want to um, introduce our next guest? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, Janelle, I also have to say thank you for what you're doing. And uh, how can people contact you or uh, through LinkedIn or how? Yeah, thanks, everyone. Um, LinkedIn is definitely the best place. I'm still very, uh, so my, my current company is a startup. So I'm balancing the startup forecastable with my own startup. So I don't have a website yet. I don't have an email address for that. So LinkedIn is definitely the best place to, to reach out. Great. So uh, everyone's uh, LinkedIn is going to be in the about 
of this episode section. And um, yes, we also have an amazing guest here with us today. Hey, Daryl, how are you today? I'm doing good, Baron. Happy to be here. Amazing. Thanks. Thank you for being here as well. And um, so, Daryl, your background is that you have had roles starting from customer success manager. You have been team leader of customer success, also a strategic customer success manager, and currently senior customer success manager, plus a product development background and with a total of six years of experience in this fantastic career. And I'm pretty sure with an amazing future ahead. So thank you for being here and sharing your, your knowledge. Absolutely. I love, I love the concept. I love um, just meeting everyone in this thriving community. And I'm happy to be here to, to also learn, but also um, try to impart some knowledge as well. And I know that the person listening to me is, uh, to, to this podcast today is already anxious to jump into the main topic of emotional intelligence. And yes, we will just wait a second because first we want to get to know our guest. Uh, Daryl, when you're not working in customer success, how do you like to spend your free time? Oh, that's uh, so I love that question because I've actually undergone a, a, some new hobbies this summer. Um, one, uh, I've, I've started to grow a garden. Um, the building that I live in has a community, uh, has a community garden. So I have two plots and, uh, it's been, it's honestly, I could pull so many, um, metaphors to life and just to see us in general, like the whole classic, you know, if you water it every day, give it some love, you're going to, and you put the love in, you're going to get a lot of rewards back. So it's been rewarding to see. I mean, it's been up and down. Um, it's probably taken, it's been good for my routine. I wake up in the morning, cut, um, just get get the day started um, and just, you know, reading up about, you know, all the plants that I'm growing, um, kind of nerding it up a bit and uh, and just watching it grow. I think it's been really, really rewarding and it's been a good way for me to balance, I think, the stressors in my life because it's just being very present. So I really can't under under undervalue the the, the benefit it's had for me. Um, and then I also like the golf. Uh, I started golfing this year, so that uh, that also has been a very humbling experience for me um trying to translate you know the swing from the range to the course so at times i probably could have lost my clubs because of just pure frustration but at the same day at the same at the same time it's been rewarding to just see the growth keep at it and just keep going and keep going forward so yeah i've been through that journey as well daryl starting to golf <laughs> um it's it's one of those things where uh, while you're doing it, you ask yourself why you ever got into it, but then you get that one great shot and it just keeps you going. I know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> ah, that's the trick then, that one shot. Yes. <laughs> um, Daryl, there is a question that we always la uh, like to ask our guests. And as everyone knows now, mind control is not an option because I think it will make it really easy. But if you could have a superpower to help you excel in your customer success career, what would it be and why? Mm, I love it. And you know what? I do apologize in advance if this has already been said. But these days um, and with the volume of stuff that I think I'm seeing every day and the things and the conversations that I have and the things that I read, um, it's got to be photographic memory. Um, if I can do away with like my notepad, like my desk right now has a bunch of like sticky notes everywhere because I have a bad habit of getting an idea, but then I forget it. And now I have a problem where I look at my desk. I'm like, I can't find it. So if I had photographic memory, I think that's great for many reasons. One, I could go into a conversation. They, someone like a client could show me something on the board and I don't have to worry about just taking notes. I can just memorize everything. It's kind of like Mike Ross from Suits. Um, and just being able to just have that wealth of knowledge and, you know, come across to people like, how did you do that? Um, I think that's so cool. Um, I think it's also really great because then um, it helps me kind of just dial in on a lot of things that like to get into the details and to be able to incorporate that into strategy, incorporate that into conversations. If someone said something or if I saw something that I could see help someone else, I could recall that. So it would have to be that. I think that would be really awesome. Nope, you are the first one, and it's interesting. Nice, really interesting. Nice. 
<laughs> always there's like, uh, I always think myself, what would I answer? And then I find a lot of answers. Each guest has a new one. Um, but yeah, Nav, let's, let's all, let's start getting to know a little bit of Janelle. Yeah, Janelle. So same question to you as well. Um, when you're not working customer success and you're not helping other CSMs become better customer success managers, what do you do? Yeah. So I'm a busy girl. I have three nephews. They are 12, nine and four. This is the last week of baseball. So we have a game every night this week. <laughs> um, my husband and I escape into the mountains of the Rocky Mountains. We go fishing. I have two dogs that are usually always with me. I have a 225 pound English Mastiff who's a senior dog and a 20 pound Frenchie who keeps him young. Uh, and um, it's just family. I have a very small circle and all my free time is usually spent either playing Pinochle, which is a family game or helping out with the nephews or my husband and I get to escape for a little bit. So I'm also creative. I do a lot of like crafting projects. I'm very good with the glue gun. <laughs> uh, I love to read. You know, I'm just, I'm not that complicated. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, my free time is around family too. Um, I've actually started to um, really get into playing with Nerf guns with my children, which yes. is um, fun, but the cleanup yes, process. Often we have home nice. base in my house when the boys are over. <laughs> They have the masks and the vests and the guns and fun time. <laughs> yeah, um, brilliant. And also the, the same question to you as well. Mind control is not an option, but um, if you could have a superpower to help you excel in your customer success career, what would it be and why? Well, I, you know, Daryl, you kind of stole, I was going to say eidetic memory, but since you said that, I was like, okay, well then I'm not going to be a repeat. What would I do? I would want to be able to speak to someone in their native language, no matter what the language is, because I think there's so much lost in translation sometimes, especially when you have such a drastic difference when I've got people from Thailand and Japan and Israel, right? I just, there's such a myriad of beautiful languages in the world that I would love to be able to speak fluently because I think that creates an even deeper connection with the person that you're talking to and, and understanding cultural differences and embracing those things language is such a huge foundational part of, of culture. So I think it'd be really cool to just automatically understand people in their native language and communicate uh, back. <laughs> I love that. And uh, I can, I can definitely um, appreciate wanting to do that. I, at one point I had 12 countries um, across APAC with 10 different languages wow. and uh, wow. just, just trying to, just trying to, you know, speak the language. Not even, I mean, you know, just language is one thing, but just the cultural differences and the way that you know they do business. It's such an incredible um, smorgasbord of um, ways of working. But then you start thinking, why well, hire CSMs to be able to do this? Which was yeah. quite a challenge. Yeah. Not to mention Amazing. you can. Not to mention you can get some really cool food when you know the language and you can order the really <laughs> yeah. good stuff, right? That is the key yeah. to the culture really right good there discounts. Well, right? Really good discounts too. Yes, it is. That's now you're is. speaking my language, Daryl. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. So happy to get to know you uh, too. And let's start with the basics of emotional intelligence and customer success. Janelle, could you start by giving us an overview of what emotional intelligence is and why is it important in customer success? Sure. Emotional intelligence refers to the ability to recognize, understand, and manage our own emotions and the emotions of others. It involves being aware of our feelings, having empathy for others, and effectively navigating and regulating emotions in various social interactions and relationships. It helps in managing emotions effectively, understanding and connecting with others, resolving conflict, making informed decisions, and fostering positive and productive interactions. So when I think about emotional intelligence and customer success, for me, it's a really key factor because I am the face of my company in customer success. I am the front line when it comes to representing our brand, my company's brand. And that brand cannot be diluted because I've had a bad day. That brand and um, the, the meaning behind the relationship cannot be soured because I was offended by something that you said. I took offense to that and now I don't want to work with you. Emotional intelligence plays a huge factor in customer success, our ability 
to be the front line productively, effectively, um, and set the example for the type of relationships we in business should be able to have with each other. Setting our own personal emotions to the side and not taking up offense just because we can or being overboard in our exaggeration of a circumstance that happened, being very mature in the circumstances where emotions occur. We are the, um, we are sort of that caveat in the middle who's kind of helped keeping the merry-go-round thinning. And we can't do that if we can't effectively not just manage our own emotions, but manage the emotions in the room when things get tense. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, at the end, we're talking to humans. We are humans as well, right? Um, are there any programs, certifications that companies can hire to improve the emotional intelligence of their uh, employees or customer success? I mean, not only customer success, but in general of, of, of their, their general employees. Or maybe I want to find something as well for me. So do you know if there's any uh, program there? Well, that's partly why I'm creating a company, Aaron. <laughs> um, you know, emotional nice. intelligence is developed mostly through hardship, right? I think all of us can think back to the most difficult and dark time in your life. And you had a choice. You could either step up and face it or you could run from it. And those of us that stepped up to face it, we had to sit in the emotion face it, deal with it, and figure out how to live with it. Because no memory or trauma or hardship ever truly disappears. We learn how to live with those scars. And so developing emotional intelligence, you either can do through the hard way, or that's where we're focused on things like self-awareness, self-regulation, empathy, active listening, mental fortitude is a huge one, right? So those are, those are the core skills that I'm talking about when we say, soft skills that people naturally have that they don't realize are so critical within the customer success industry, which is why I want to focus on that because all of the hard skills can be taught. The soft skills, not necessarily. And so those of us that have been through that, that can help others identify, oh, wow, yeah, I'm really good at that. Or, wow, I'm really good at research and help them plug that, plug and play that into customer success. That's why it's so critical that we really focus on these soft skills because as far as I've researched, there's nothing out there that focuses really on what we're talking about. I think that's, that's actually, yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, when I think about um, the things that I've done in my career, that's actually made me a better customer success resource. Um, I'd have to say having worked in support and having worked as a, an SDR or two, two uh, roles where, you really have to build some thick skin because uh, with support, you're essentially working with, I mean, whenever a customer is calling you up, they're calling you up because they're upset about something. So you become the person that has to take the brunt of that and try to drive an outcome in an emotional environment. And uh, from the SDR perspective, I think one of the incredible things about SDRs, and I think SDRs make great CSMs, is that that constant uh, grind through rejection, right? And being able to, you know, make the number of calls that you did make, you know, uh, create the number of opportunities to create, bringing in the right amount of demos, all of that stuff out, you know, in within a formulaic approach of you need to deal with, you know, you need to deal with a certain amount of um, uh, rejection within that uh, space as well. And then I guess when I think about um, what I've done in, from a coaching perspective for CSMs, in especially in, in environments where, for example, if you've got like a big price increase that's coming up and you know that you're going to have a lot of customer conversations that are going to be emotionally charged, um, you know, doing coaching sessions, doing um, uh, uh, sessions where you role play to, to really try and uh, get across some of that, you know, and try to understand where the emotion is coming from and try to then talk or, you know, bring the conversation back to, to something that we can actually handle. But I think the reality is at the end of the day, um, especially during, you know, sort of a period where you've got a lot of customers that are um, being a bit more difficult. Um, I think it's inevitable, right? That um, it, it gets to you, right? But um, you also mentioned earlier the, um, the ability to identify one's emotions as well. So if you're getting to a point where you know that you're, you know, you've, you've had a few clients today that have really, you know, pushed you to the limits. 
um, picking up the phone and talking to the next client, you may or may not be able to handle that one, right? But being able to understand that before you pick up that phone, I think is extremely important. I also, I also think we're in a really critical time period in, in life from a global perspective. We are divided as a, as a nation right now in the United States. Um, temperatures are high. People are heated. Um, you know, there's, there's sides that people are picking. And so we're easily offended. We're easily sparked to become emotionally invested in something. And we carry that into our daily work life. So I think customer success is also on the front line because we can identify, hey, in the midst of, you know, a, a very difficult time in, in our country's history, right, that we have to stay neutral. We have to stay even keel. And that's just the United States. That's not looking at it from a global perspective. But my point being that, you know, we're seeing um, gl the global impact of things that are happening for, for each one of us, whether that's financial because of COVID, um, whether it's politically driven, it doesn't matter. We all have something that's heightened in our lives that causes more emotions to be brought into conversation. And so I think now more than ever, we as, we as CS leaders also need to recognize that we need to become more sensitive to what, what our current circumstances look like in the industry to be even more mindful, more kind, more respectful, and drive those values across our teams because um, we, are, we are the front line. We're stepping in the gap, and we have to be good at that and, and be able to you know, come to peaceful resolutions and have peaceful conversations. Um, I've had CEOs scream and swear, and I've said, you know, until you can – come down and we can have a respectful conversation. I'm going to have to end this conversation very calmly, right? But it's not easy to do. It's not something I enjoy doing, right? So we're not talking about something that just you fall into. It just, it takes practice. Like you said, SDRs are really good at that rejection, but it's keeping your cool when you just want to <laughs> speak your mind sometimes, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think um, as CS leaders, uh, we either is from, you know, the ability that that we get from our titles or the fact that we've just done it for a lot longer and you know obviously for csms that are starting out and having to deal with that it's a very very different uh, um game to play in, and it's a lot harder for them to do daryl i guess from your perspective being um a csm on the ground in the front lines and also working i guess in product development as well um how do you see emotion intelligence and you know being part of your role um sort of sitting in both sides of that and what are some of the things i guess you would um, recommend doing to be able to, to start really building out that emotion intelligence um, uh, for any one star singing in the, in the field as well? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think I'm going to echo a lot of what Janelle has said, because a lot of it is transferable. Um, so I can speak to it from two. So I'm probably going to speak to it from two facets. One, um, there's one way of seeing, like, you know, customers as external facing so the ones that pay us to pay the business the ARR but there's also the customers internally especially when you're working within a larger organization now this may vary depending on the size of the company um, so you know a leaner a leaner startup a, a CSM is going to be just more multi-threaded because they're naturally just going to have their hand in like product they're going to have their hand in marketing sales leadership uh, elements of leadership um, versus when you work at a bigger you know, bigger company, 5,000 to 10,000, you're dealing with a lot more, you know, processes that are necessary in place for the, for the business to have scaled and to run like well-oiled machine. That itself is also like a set of, I view it as like a set of customers. Um, it kind of helps me kind of envision and, and, and frame um, the same underlying principles that I would take to my book of business with also my, with my colleagues and stakeholders that I have, that I'm working with to drive product development, to help with influence, to help both sides where, you know, if we're advocating for, um, you know, something in the product to change, it's going to help the, the, the customer. And it's just a nice virtuous cycle. So that's kind of trying to pair the two worlds together as much as, you know, we product and CS may seem different. I think I, I personally think that they're the same. They're heading toward the same vision. They're just executing they're executing in different swim lanes and, and they have a lot of overlap. Um, my, what's helped me, especially navigate this duality, um, is of course honing in on, um, is recognizing the active listening. I can't, 
I can't um I I can't underscore how underline how I can't underscore any of us how important that is. Um because most of the time everyone's everyone comes to the table with their own agenda. Um and that agenda can be fueled by their emotions. You know, someone like a customer um could be totally just having they could be having their bad day and likewise they're taking it out on you. So but they're going to come, you know, guns ablaze, ready to be like, well, I got to do this and this and this. And I think just reading uh, and just listening to actually what they're saying and the words that they're using. And also, you know, with just reading their body language is super important. Um, the biggest thing that I think that anyone should prioritize is, of course, making sure that you, ha- you are having that FaceTime, even if it's even if it's virtual, um, to never not be in a, in a call where you can't see their face. Um, because you can read a lot just from how, you know, they're, how they're responding to your, to your, to your answers or how engaged they might be if they're agitated that can give cues to understanding, well, should I be pushing this? Should I be looking at, should we be talking about this or should I be coming at this from more compassion or should I be coming at this from, you know, a standpoint of, um, of being a bit more direct because time is of the essence. Those are all kind of things right there that social awareness piece. Um, I think as well, setting those very clear expectations from the start. So a little less about, um, a little less about just trying to get the sake of content or the trying to just get everything um, said, because to you, that's, that's going to fulfill, you know, your task. But if it's, if it's at a game of trying to do quantity versus quality, um, I think that's also that that is on, that's founded upon you know how clear are you setting your expectations and that can be that can be some really you know I think valuable conversations that I don't think needs to be too gated um, it's just a real conversation where um, you're level setting and really just looking at well you know I understand that there are problems that you're facing um, that empathy piece. Um, help me help you. Like, what would help? What would help us work through these tough times? Are there things that we should reprioritize? What can we focus on first? Um, and understanding just that priority set, and oftentimes, just trying to boil it down to those two main things. Um, those two can branch off to so many other areas that can lead to a very lo- fruitful relationship. But the the but when I take stock of like my failures in the past, the ones that have gone really well and the ones that haven't, it's because I haven't, I wasn't able to set a, the clear expectations. We were trying to figure out, you know, um, what are we still doing or how best are we using our time? But also I wasn't reading the room right. Um, I would kind of try to go on and, and, and really, really push my own agenda and not being mindful of, what they're going through, or maybe they're not there yet, or perhaps we're not at that stage where, you know, they're, they're ready to have that convert, that type of conversation. Um, I think those are two sort of main things that have guided me to the successes that I have, I've had. And I think it's great for, you know, new CSMs, especially who are coming into um, or coming from other industries and into, you know, a tri- into a, into a CS role for their first one. It's to prepare for a lot of, um, a lot of uh, how dynamic the role can be and managing that in a scalable way or in a sustainable way. Yeah. Amazing, amazing tips um, that we're given here because skills is always a, um, something that we have to manage. And we of course learn with time as, as we are working with customers and as we learn, did you touch on expectation management Actually, something that we spoke about, um, Nav, in our in our um, episode about uh, marketing, sales, and customer success dynamic. Then you also said about empathy, and this reminds me that um, about the blog post that Janelle writes in LinkedIn. So follow her because she has really interesting uh, blog posts about emotional intelligence that definitely helps us on a day-to-day. And she was saying that empathy, uh, as per her perspective, should be the number one skill um, to use in customer success. And then you also say active listening, uh, Daryl, amazing three. But I want to add one more. And before I add, before I mention this one, 
Um, I want to just go back a little bit and it, Janelle gave us a really amazing overview of what is uh, emotional intelligence. And there are um, some key components that are self-awareness, self-regulation, empathy, social skills, and motivation. And under social skills, we're going to see building rapport. So I want to know, first of all, what is building rapport and why is it so important for a customer success manager to learn how to build rapport? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, when you say building rapport for me, it's establishing myself as someone who is trustworthy, who's consistent, who's reliable. I follow through with the things that I say. I deliver on things when I say I will. And if I can't, I'm communicating uh, the delay. And I'm taking personal responsibility for my role, my responsibilities, and all of the other collaborative team members that are contributing to the expected outcome because we in, in CS do not operate on an island. It takes the many um, to, to raise the customer, right? Like we say, it takes a village to raise, to raise a child. It takes the team to raise a customer. And so we build rapport through those very basic things. So do what you say you're going to do. Um, overly communicate so that, that your customer is never left in the dark. Look for ways to go out of your way to surprise or delight your customer or anticipate what they need and give them to it beforehand. It's just these little tiny things that over time your customer realizes you're someone they can trust. They will listen to your recommendations when you say, hey, I need you to increase your storage or I need you to add more seats to your solution because that's getting us to where we need to go. When you build rapport, your customer will listen to, to your advice. So it's not one thing. It's many little things that are just built over time because you're, um, you're basically standing in your own moral ethic code of how you work and how you treat people. And so if you're being true to yourself, all of those things, things stay true um, in your exposure to your customers. And so that's how you build rapport is, um, I think, in, in, in essence, being, being true to yourself and, and carrying um, that ethical standard with you on a day-to-day -day basis. I love that. And I think, um, you know, especially as CSMs and the fact that customer success sort of sits um, essentially with a lot of uh, functions internally, it's also really important to build that rapport internally as well. Um, yeah. there's, there's sort of like a, a, a joke, a running joke in the CS, you know, um, industry around um, CS and sales don't get along very well. And uh, CS thinks our product is just around to, you know, to say no to everything, right? But um, yeah. I, I think, I think there are two two parts of being a really successful CSM. And it, it surprisingly comes naturally as you do the role for a long time. But the earlier you understand this, the better this will be for you is to, first of all, build the relationship internally because it actually does set you up to be very successful. The CSMs that never complain about sales or product are the ones that have actually built really good rapport with those yeah. teams. And also, the, from the emotional intelligence and empathy perspective, understanding what their roles is, are as well. And the, the reality is, sure, we as you know, CSMs, we've got a lot of control over what happens in the post-sales environment, right? And the customer is, is, and renewing them and expanding them is such a big part of what we do. But we make mistakes, right? And there are situations where we make mistakes and that might not have a knock-on effect as much to uh, a, a team down downstream because we pretty much own a lot of the post-sales piece. But when you think about mistakes being made before um, we take it on account, it's not, it's, not an, it's not an uncommon thing for it to happen. It's just that we are downstream from that. So understanding that these things happen and then making sure that if there's a pattern that we come to the table to understand what the process is as opposed to trying to, to blame. Um, and I think building that rapport and, and uh, you know, building that rapport cross-functionally internally really helps with building that empathy as well. And so it actually does then also translate to you being able to do that really effectively with your customers as well, because it gives you that insight and it gives you that, you know, that visibility. And then you can bring that visibility to the customer as well. So, yeah, I, you, you think about, you think about how important this is. And it's not something we talk about it enough. I think ever we always say stop blaming, but the reality is we need to actually take it down to the basics and really understand mm -hmm. what it is that uh, CSMs need to, to, develop to be able to be successful CSMs. I, I mean, and I, and I, Nav, I love that you brought up this 
sort of age old traditional beef between sales and CS, right? So I was always that CSM that was like, who's my sales counterpart? I'm going to take you out to lunch. Let's talk about your accounts. I want to get to know you. Um, and the rest of my team was like, why are you wasting your time? And I'm sure Daryl can attest to this. I've been a CSM that have received, I've received a new customer that never should have been sold. The product does not fit what the customer is looking for. And whoever sold it was throwing mud at the wall to get something to stick, right? It happens. It's, we don't talk about it because you're not supposed to talk about it, but it happens. And I, and I've, I've had that. And I can also say that because my husband is a sales executive and he admits, yeah, sometimes it happens, right? So I think there's this like unspoken tension when truthfully sales and CS has the potential to be the strongest partnered teams in a business organization because when a salesperson feels empowered by a CSM and vice versa, the salespeople are looking for opportunities to bring to that CSM and the CSM is going to lean on the salesperson because I'm not driven by money. I'm driven by relationships. I'm driven by amazing experiences with people, connecting with people. And I need that drive, the hunter that is my husband, the salesperson to come in when we're talking about contract expansion or, you know, a renewal that's going to cost more. So I think especially internally, I love that you said this because while creating rapport with customers is critical, to me, one of the first things that I would say to a new CSM is get to know your infrastructure. Get to know who to go to with what questions. Who's your primary point of contact on the support team? Who on product has stepped up to raise their hand and say, hey, yeah, I have questions. You can you can reach out to me. Create your internal infrastructure, your pillars on the continent you occupy, not the island. Um, and those are the people and those are the relationships that will be conduits for you in the future when a customer really needs something last minute and nobody's available, you can call in a favor. And I've had to do that before. So I think you really, you bring up a great point, which is I think sometimes we focus on the external and not enough on the internal. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. I agree with that. And um, Daryl, I guess um, maybe, you know, you can talk a little bit about how um, uh, emotion intelligence can help CSMs guide their customers to success and how you might uh, find yourself doing that in your role in day-to-day. Definitely the importance of the relationship management piece, um, the ability to influence, coach, and mentor others, and how to and how to resolve the conflict effectively. Um, coming into my book of business that um, that can that consists of you know customers that are in frankly different stages of their of their life cycle with maturity in the product with um with uh their their experiences that they're having um whether there's disruptions that they're facing or if there are some really really cool opportunities that they're looking through um being really aware of you know where they're at and taking stock of that and using that as a data point is super critical to um developing not just your own confidence in as a csm as you're managing um you know, the success of your customers, um, I think it's a virtuous cycle where the more in tune and connected you are with um, speaking to, you know, your your customer base and how they're performing and where exactly they're at um, helps you sort of tailor, you know, the type of conversations that you need to have with them. Um, and also, you know, knowing how, what, when to, you know, introduce new things to move them forward in their life cycle um, or driving certain, you know, feature usage or product usage um, because of, because of things that they might have said or uh, conversations that you're having, you know, in your week, in your, in your, in your scheduled cadences and something might come up where you pick on something. So bringing back that active listening and understanding and equipping yourself with that data, but then reading through, um, you know, the, the social awareness piece, um, if they're really excited about something like I, I have, a, I've had a customer recently, um, where, you know, they had a strong push where they got a whole influx of, um, or, or they got the renewed budget. They were, stu- they were super happy about, um, um, the technology that they purchased and the solutions. And 
they oh the the budget was always a limiting factor because they weren't able to expand. But once they had that opportunity, and we had the right the right framework in place, and all of the all of the um all of the the the, the conversations, um, and motivations for the person for for the stakeholders that I'm working with, that I was working with, um, being able to deliver that to them and say, all right, you know, we got it, let's go, let's like here's the plan to get going. And that itself is so powerful because um, being able to recognize um, their their infrastructure, how they're positioned, and just understanding the business um, is is so important to be able to push the right agenda when it's needed. Um, I think as well, being able to for a CSM to manage their own emotions now on those emotionally charged times where customers aren't happy. Um, and Janelle, I think I've, 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 I've recently been dealing with customers where, you know, they're that I was handed a, a, an account from, from, from sales and the fit wasn't there. Now the opportunistic side would be like, well, you know, I'll roll up my sleeves because I know that there is opportunity despite there not being that initial fit. Um, you know, being able to understand the, the motivations and to read your customer and beyond and to be able to gracefully work through that dissatisfaction that does occur and will occur in this role. Um, it's how, how, how successful you navigate through that is just kind of just listening to them and understanding like, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And I think really just having that very frank, candid, having those frank, candid conversations where it's less about the product. It's more about what are the things that you are needing to solve and you're, you're honing in on their sort of motivations or their challenges or what they're, whatever they're going through to be able to build that relationship um, and to build that rapport. And it helps me and a CSM to deliver the news of saying, no, this is not a good fit, but here are the reasons why. And it's not no for the sake of saying no. Um, but it also creates an opportunity for, well, this may not be a fit, but there's another product that we might have in our suite that could help you. Um, that's also taking a convert. That's also taking a, a, an emotionally charged conversation into an opportunity that could be, you know, a cross sell to something else. Or the other side would be, well, Hey, um, you know, perhaps this wasn't articulated in that way when you were doing your, in that sales cycle, but through these conversations, having and focusing on your and focusing on what you're trying to achieve, we actually did find a fit. So that's also a great thing to, that can come out of those types of conversations. It's it, it can be hard though. I think the first thing that is, the CSM needs to prioritize in those types of conversations, but what drives I think the most the best relationships, and I I have a few that were my best customers actually started from that, and I'm pretty proud that you know they've grown to where they're at today is to work through those moments where they felt like there was no light at the end of the tunnel, but they actually found out that, well, no, it should be just dug another path and we found the light. So um, being able to work through those really, really tough times, much like how building emotional intelligence comes through hardships, general, I know yet, you know, as you mentioned that, um, that itself, I think is self-fulfilling um, and how you're able to like really, really, navigate your your own emotions and help them work through theirs creates a budding relationship that overall then um, scales up to how well your book of business performs. Amazing, Daryl. Thank you so much. And uh, Daryl, can you present the challenge of today, please? Um, I'm eager, and I know that the person listening to this uh, is eager to listen. What challenge you brought related to emotional intelligence in this amazing career, customer success? Absolutely. So um, this is uh, sort of a part two of my previous, my previous, uh, ex my previous story, but I think it lends itself well to those who are entering, um, you know, this beautiful world of customer success. But, um, you know, when you do have a book of business uh, and, you're and you're responsible for managing those relationships, um, and depending on, you know, how a business might might structure, you know, the CSM to account ratio. Oftentimes, you know, you're going to find yourself not just managing that, the volume, but also uh, 
maybe inserting yourself into a personality to mirror or match the energy of your stakeholder for trying to build that that rapport, that relationship with them. But oftentimes you could find yourself in a situation where you have to maintain an appearance or reputation. You might get stuck into that mo- into that role. And in turn, you feel like there's no light because you're governed by meeting those goals, those metrics that's, that's, that customer success is measured by. So the question is, you know, how do you not lose yourself in that process? Like, how do you, how, what, what are some ways the, that, or, or techniques or things that you can prioritize that prevent burnout? Um, and then I think a follow-up to that as well is like, how do you also deal with those different personalities in a very sustainable way that allows for you to be um, your most authentic self? Yeah. So um, there's a couple different things. So Daryl, where, um, where would you like me to start? Which question first? Yeah. Let's start off with um, the techniques uh, and awareness of how a CSM won't lose themselves in their process as they're developing rapport. And then yeah. also not spending burnout. Yeah. I mean, maintaining a balance between um, meeting goals and staying true to yourself is really crucial uh, to avoid burnout. So there are a couple different things that I recommend um, that I've done for myself that I recommend to people that I work with. So first of all is you're going to practice boundary setting, right? There needs to be a very clear boundary between your personal life and your work life. And so a good example of that is, um, when my husband and I are sitting down for dinner, if the phone rings and it's an emergency, he'll answer it. If not, he does it, right? And we've defined what that emergency could be. Um, it's really important too that through all of that, you're protecting your own well-being, right? Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> a job is a job. Your life is your life. They're two very different things. Your job could change in an instant. So it's really important that you figure out where does that boundary lie for you write it down, practice it, move that line, retreat that line, be very open and flexible, figuring out what's the right balance for you. Um, Another thing is self-reflection and self-care. So something that I picked up not too far back was three daily habits. I'm not a habitual person. I thrive in chaos. I change furniture positions a lot. I'm just, right, I like change. Um, But I have three daily habits that I've realized keep me grounded and really keep my mental focus um, very high because I stick with these same three things every single day. And they can be as simple as before I get out of bed, I drink a massive glass of water, right? Um, I spend at least 10 minutes a day reading a non-work related book, something to that effect. And your body, when you create those kind of habits, your mind will dig into those and it'll set up a, a set of baseline for you. Um, Another one is setting realistic expectations for yourself, right? You're not going to get it right the first time. And when you transition from one job to another, all of these things could change because each job is going to require something different. So this really is knowing yourself well enough to say, hey, I'm out of balance and I need to figure out a way to do that. And knowing what are the tools at your disposal that really help keep those two things, your work-life balance, um, in focus. And the last one is you have to stay authentic to your values. Right. I think we, we talked about ethics and values before, but um, that part of you doesn't have to change customer to customer, job to job, situation to situation. When you have conviction, when you believe in who you are and what you stand for, how you're going to treat people, how you're going to communicate with people, um, that is true to who you are. And so that should not change from one customer account to another. I love that. And I think, I think what I like about what you said is, you know, around making sure that you've got really good practices and in, in how to manage your work-life balance and making sure that you're not, you know, being dragged into that. And I think, um, looking at it from a, from a different lens, um, and to something that Daryl pointed out as well, um, so much of what we do as CSMs is, uh, metrics driven, right? And so when we find ourselves in situations where we're really being dragged down into this sort of, you know, deep pits and not being able to climb up, climb up, it's usually because we're chasing our tails around getting those metrics. Now, CS metrics by design are lagging indicators, right? So by the time you know a customer is going to re, um, be retained, it's probably too late, right? So if you're going to get churn, you're going to get churn if you only know about, about churn by two months before the, the renewal. So... 
CSMs who find themselves in situations where they feel like this is happening to them all the time, what they should be doing is turning around asking their leaders, how should I know that I'm going to hit my retention metrics six, nine, 12 months before I get to that point, right? And um, if if the, the function is set up properly, there are a, t- a set of leading indicators that you can track on a day-to-day that you can then try and impact in your day-to-day work, which doesn't bring you down to this, you know, sort of, you know, talking to customers that are high, high strong or, you know, highly emotional or trying to save an account here, save an account there, chasing our tails and being very reactive. Uh, and when we think about CS and, and uh, the fundamentals of CS is to be proactive, not reactive, right? And what's really important in that is to have built a framework around how to then um, understand what processes feed into what leading indicators and those leading indicators feed into your um, lagging met- um, indicators, which are your metrics, right? And if, if we... If we as leaders, we get that right for our team, then that feeling of being not in control all the time um, decreases significantly. It doesn't go away altogether because we do know that there are always going to be curveballs. But in, in, in environments where CSMs are feeling like that's happening, it, it, you, should ask, you should ask your leader, like, like, where is the process behind how I can make sure that I'm not chasing my tail um, two months before a customer is supposed to renew? And so I, you, if you get that right, and then you get all the stuff that you said as well, Janelle, right as well, you get this sort of beautiful balance around how to really drive your day-to-day in a way that's actually fruitful and is slowly moving the the um, the ball towards the goal that you want to you know, get to uh, from across the pitch as opposed to, you know, right before you get to the, the goalpost, right? I think there's a caveat to that now that I just want to call out, which is, I've been now, I've worked with so many people across different companies that there are no processes. There is no guidance. There is no leading of, you know, you're sitting, you're shadowing um, as a new CSM and you're reviewing a customer at risk and your senior CSM like Daryl says, hey, when the customer says this, that's a red flag. When the customer does this, that's a red flag. They don't know what they don't know. And that kind of training is not happening as consistently as we want it. And so to your point, I think that that's like the ideal state that we want the industry to have. We want other CS leaders to value all the things we're talking about. But I think the reality is we're not there yet. And so I want to make sure, too, that we're also speaking to the CSM who's sitting in a role with no structure, no process, no training. And they're trying to figure out how to best navigate this without having a coach or a guide to help get them through this. And they're figuring it out on their own. Amazing. Amazing. I'm just like too much information that we're given, like really helpful. Um, please, you listening to this, share to this episode because there will be a lot of people who will benefit from this. And I wish we will have a power where we can control time, but it's time to start wrapping up heartbroken again. I think that's the word of, uh, of the day for me. And what, let's see, what, what are the top tips for a customer success manager looking to improve their emotional intelligence? I'm scaling down all of the things in my mind too, because this has been such a great conversation on to the top tips. Practice active listening. Um, that is going to be the cause of and solution to a lot of problems. Um, that could lead to snowball effects if not treated well, or if you just, if you didn't pick up on, you know, those nonverbal cues. So active listening for sure. And then of course, as Janelle mentioned, I can't is, um, practice, uh, the, uh, work-life balance or prioritizing work-life balance. Don't lose yourself in the process. I would say the first one is be your authentic self, right? So we sort of address this question of how do I keep myself true to who I am when I'm dealing with multiple different personalities and aggressive types versus right non-aggressive types. Um, I can still stay myself and be incredibly professional and direct with a VP who only needs data and facts. And I can be chatty Cathy with my marketing operative who needs the first five minutes of our conversation to be about the dogs or the flowers or something, right? Transition yourself, but, but don't lose who you are. Um, two, I would say it's really critical that you're practicing emotional regulation. So even those of us that have been in the industry for as long as we have, 
I get stressed out when I'm going into what I think will be a heated discussion, an unhappy customer, somebody screaming about a support ticket, right? There's emotions. So it makes me nervous and I have anxiety. And so there are tools. One of them is the butterfly hug. And if you'd like to learn more about that, I posted about that not too long ago. Um, but it's a way to self-regulate when your heart rate goes up and your breathing starts to increase to physically take back control of the bodily response to the stress at hand. And then three, most of the time, I say most, not all, a lot of the emotions that come from business is rooted in fear. Customers are afraid that they've spent money and wasted it. Leaders are afraid that they've chosen your solution and it's not working and they will be fired or judged. Team members are afraid that they don't matter and that they're not going to meet the quota that is being held over their job title. So I think when you can realize that sometimes in these emotional states, if fear is the driver and you can step out of your own fear, realize where the other person is coming from and what might be driving their fear, it gives you the edge to come into that conversation prepped and ready to calmly and, and efficiently address the fear in a kind, respectful, and professional manner and get to the root cause without the back and forth emotional tension that could, could happen from that conversation. And remember that you don't know what that other person is going through. So whatever the fear is that's driving them, you have no idea where that fear is coming from. And I think we all have been, they, we, like I said before, we've all been through really dark times in our lives where we responded emotionally out of fear. And we need to give each other the breathing room, the flexibility, the grace in those moments to realize you probably have no idea what's driving the emotion. And if we're sensitive to that and we come into those circumstances prepared to be that um, for the other person, then I think we offer a safe landing place for all of us to figure out a peaceful path to wherever we're trying to go. I love that. And I think um, one of the things I'd, I'd add to that um, very complimentary uh, is um, don't ever assume the reason behind an emotion um, instead ask questions, right? Because um, I've seen far too often CSMs going into a situation where a customer is um, angry about something and they come out even angrier. And the reason for that is because we go into that with an assumption of the reason why they're angry and try to address that right away, which then completely derails the reason why they're having a conversation in the first place, right? So asking questions and not assuming, I think, is extremely important in those situations. I, I there's no way that I could uh, that we could have finished this before the hour. It's just not. Uh, we have been given a lot of insights, a lot of really useful information um, of, of emotional intelligence and customer success. And I'm pretty sure that all of us would want to st expand on this because there's still a lot of more into uh, to to talk about. But it's just how it is. And um, our mission in, in customer success talks, real challenges, experts advice is to um, spark inspiration and foster a global community of customer success professionals. Now, we are aiming to provide a platform where, our, where industry experts can discuss their experiences, share insights and address challenges. And we are ex, uh, expanding while we are collaborating with CS Connect, a community that are, that are here to help you. And there are a lot of topics there that they are also um, exposing in webinars, meetups. And also there is a Slack community that you can join and also meet other experts. So as much as I wish to continue talking about this, time came and thank you so much all of you for being here thank you for listening as well please follow the podcast because more topics are coming i promise we promise you emotional intelligence it's here now we also promise you success plans and how to build a culture a customer success culture um, in in your company thank you so much for your time janelle daryl naf a pleasure being here with you your horses there. Before we start today's episode, I just want to remind you that our mission to provide expert advice and tackle real-life challenges in the world of customer success is expanding. Yes, we are expanding. We are thrilled to announce our collaboration with CS Connect, a global community built for customer success professionals just like you. 
CS Connect brings together professionals at all levels of their customer success journey. So whether you are a newcomer, an industry leader, or anywhere in between, CS Connect provides a platform for you to discuss challenges, learn from others, and more. Their mission is to empower you. They are dedicated to fostering growth and build a community that emphasizes in skill development, knowledge sharing, and creating amazing connections. But there are some rules to follow. Number one, be positive, make an effort, be a role model, and remember that we all win together. So pause right now, go to LinkedIn, and search for CS Connect. See you there.